0: to Counterpunch Radio. My name is Eric Dreitzer. Thanks so much for tuning in, coming back to the show. First time listeners finding the show. Welcome aboard. We really do depend on you guys for support and uh, we're really so deeply grateful to those of you who have continued to support Counterpunch for these 25 years and who are helping to make Counterpunch grow and to really be the space that it is online where we get to really fight out these ideological fights and uh, organize our ideas, our thoughts, and uh, our anti-fascist politics because that's really the watchword of the day. And uh, so if you like Counterpunch, if you want to support Counterpunch, get a subscription to the print magazine, make a donation through the PayPal, you can pick up the phone, you could talk to a human. Uh, It's a great way to support Counterpunch and to maintain your connection to the world of the living. So uh, with that said, I want to turn to my guest today. Um, I'm very happy to have her on the show. Uh, Quite courageous activist who, um, well, she's done something that she's going to tell us all about. Kelly Weber is with me today. Kelly is an activist in Ohio. She is a member of the Columbus Anti-Racist Action, Columbus ARA. She also works with an important organization uh, called Love Without Lines, the website lovewithoutlines.org. Kelly is going to be heading to Mexico real soon, and we'll be talking about that, but we're also going to talk about something that happened last week. So, Kelly, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. And I teased it there in the introduction, but let's just jump right into it. Uh, You undertook a pretty interesting endeavor, one that I think very few people on the left have done and might do in the future. Tell us about what you did about 10 days ago.
1: Um, So a couple of my friends um, and myself decided that we were going to disrupt the um, Trump rally in Cincinnati from the inside um we knew that we had a very strong message that we wanted to um convey to the public and that the best way to do that was to get the most amount of news time and the way you do that is by putting yourself in the belly of the beast um but when you do a disruption because this was not my first one um when you do a disruption from the inside of a Trump rally that means that you have to pretend to be a person who likes Trump you have to sit there um, and stand in line and listen to people make jokes about the border and listen to people uh, crack jokes about the security guards that are black and the security guards that are, you know, Latina and, and ask like, oh, do you think that, they, that they're supposed to be here? And you have to sit there and listen to that and pretend either that, A, you like it, or B, you don't hear them um, quite often when you're in line because um, you stand in line for hours. So quite often when you're in line, people want to talk to you. So they start talking to you about things and they start talking about how, oh, yeah, you know, Trump's going to make sure that these people aren't getting handouts and and they're going to talk about the illegal aliens, which that term just hurts my heart. Um, And these people talk about these things and they talk about, oh, yeah, build a wall. And, you know, oh, the liberals, they have no idea um, what's going on. And I actually heard. One person say that the liberals are going to have to deal with Trump's 2024 acceptance speech. And I said 2024. And his response was, well, yeah, all those liberals are changing the Constitution to suit themselves. We'll just do the same thing. So when people say that Trump is like a dictator and we're going to end up in this fascist state, that is pretty much exactly what his supporters want that's, that's what they want. Um, tell,
0: tell us, tell us what was the, uh, atmosphere outside when you got there? Did you see, I mean, was it, did it seem like a, like a regular Trump rally? Did it seem more unhinged than ones that you had seen previously? What about the presence of QAnon? Give us a, you know, the Q followers and so forth. Give us a, a little bit of a taste on what was going on outside of the arena.
1: So, um, First off, the line I can't I can't even express to you how long the line was. The um, arena holds seventeen thousand five hundred people, and every seat ended up being full. There were also at least a good two thousand people that were outside still. And this is the only time that Trump gave numbers that I think were actually were actually legit. Um, it, it is it's not necessarily what you would expect. I mean, they always have. Um, a whole area for the leftist protesters that they kind of keep off to the side. There's always the uh, the radical right wingers that are going to be over there messing with people. Um, that's where you have your info wars, um, people trying to, you know, do their little news. And and that's where you have people from Breitbart and stuff like that. And that's where the, the rowdiness really happens. Um, the people that are standing in line really are just. I don't know. I guess looking for camaraderie, but in a pretty racist, disgusting way. Um, it, you you get exactly kind of what you expect. Your um, middle aged, white, uh, I don't know, just normal, average, everyday people that blend into society really well until they open their mouths. Um, and and it's 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 truly, honestly, it's not as exciting as you would think sitting on the uh, outside. you It's like you're sitting in a big, long line with a bunch of sweaty people that have disgusting ideals, and they will randomly talk to you about them.
0: Sounds like one of the circles of hell, quite frankly, but it, it, you... Yeah. <laughs> but, you, but you tolerated it for a good cause. So tell us a little bit about your friends that were with you. What kind of a group was it? Mm-hmm. Uh, were you homogenous? Were you all white? Were you all women? What was your group mm-hmm. like and what was it like once you got inside?
1: Well, so we had um, two men and three women with us. Um, two, four of us were white. One of, My one friend was black. Um, he was definitely... One of the only black people we saw when we got inside, we counted out of the 17,500 people, um, probably about eight black people, which also I found extremely interesting that they were all requested to go stand on the floor, which means that the news or, you know, Trump's news people wanted to make sure that you could see diversity in his, his group of, um, supporters, because I'm not kidding you when I say they went around to every single black person, um, Hispanic person, any minority you could find. Um, they went around to all those people and asked them to come stand on the floor right in front of, right in front of Trump's podium. Um, so, uh, my one friend who was black that was with us was actually, he was, he was legitimately scared. Um, he said to me at one point, he's like, I don't know if I can go in there. I don't know if I feel safe. Uh, so I definitely made sure that he knew, you know, like, Hey, Anthony, if you don't want to come in, you're totally fine. If you do want to come in, we'll stick you in the middle of us in the aisle, you know, we'll do our best to keep people off you if you need to. Cause this was his first, his first disruption. Um, Another friend that was with us, uh, she's also from Columbus ARA, and she's done a lot, of, a lot of really intense actions, but this was her first time in front of a Trump, tr- oh my goodness, I'm sorry, inside of a Trump rally. Uh, but the other three of us have done um, three other disruptions. Uh, the last one we did before this was actually in West Virginia. <laughs> so we went to Huntington, West Virginia, and disrupted a Trump rally. And um, I thought that one was going to be the most intense one ever. I mean because, you know, stereotypes. But no, uh Cincinnati was was by far the most intense, most terrifying disruption that i've that i've ever done
0: now i have to say i have to admit i'm not totally uh you know educated on the issue but i vaguely have a recollection of cincinnati being one of the most racist of the major cities in the midwest uh including (laughs) the long history of uh immigrants from central europe bringing a lot of those views so am i wrong about that or is that is that kind of true
1: oh that 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 seems pretty true. That I mean, that is definitely you are definitely right there in history. And um I never, honestly, I've never spent any time in Cincinnati. So you hear things, but you don't really understand it until you're there. Because to me, I mean, I live in Columbus and we're only a couple hours away. And although we have our fair share of racism here and and just bigots, it, it was nothing compared to what I saw there. And I really I did not expect that because I'm like it's just a couple hours, you know how different can it be, um, and yeah, the the entire culture there is something that I've never experienced.
0: Now, since you're kind of a veteran of these Trump rallies, mm-hmm. I mean, do, do, does it seem like they're escalating? Because, you, I mean, you said that you went yes. to the one in West Virginia and it, and it seemed like that was going to be the craziest. And now all of a sudden it's this one. And I wonder if you go to one, say, six months from now in the heat of the election, my God, what's it going to be like? It's
1: it's guaranteed going to be worse. They have progressively gotten worse. Um, I uh, my very first disruption was in Youngstown, and that was I mean, that was bad. My I'm, I, I wish that I could fully convey to you how terrifying it was what I saw happen to my friends. But um, as we pulled out our signs and we started chanting, I'm not kidding you when I say that my one friend had his arms grabbed and his legs grabbed and it looked like he was on like uh, some kind of torture device stretcher. They were pulling him from from all directions. Those were the, the Trump Fans, and then when the cops came in to try to pull them away, the fans did not let go, um, and that was my first disruption. <laughs> uh, after that, I did um, West Virginia, I disrupted a, a Pence rally that was inside a very, very small um, hotel room, and on that disruption. I decided to stand on a chair and I had a person behind me grab my chair and start shaking it. And, um, basically as he was doing that, somebody else grabbed my arms and tried to pull me back over the chairs. So that I was like, well, that's really bad. Cause I mean, they were definitely attacking me very directly. Um, and this one, it it was even worse. Um, the amount of people, uh, punches were thrown, um, you know, my friend had his sign ripped and thrown at him and we were cussed out and the cops grabbed us in ways that that I was being pulled by both arms from the police pulling me in different directions. Um, my friend had a walker with her. They took the walker and threw it. Um, when they took us to the back of the uh, stadium to kick us out, they shoved us The police officer shoved us down the stairs. My one friend who was there with the walker, she's like, I need my walker. I absolutely cannot walk down these steps. And the police officer looked at her and said, well, you should have thought about that before you decided to go in there and fuss, make a fit. Um, So it's not even just the attendees of the rallies. The police and security and Secret Service are getting worse and worse and worse every time, too.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a certain uh, strain of uh, fascism and white supremacism through all law enforcement that we know about. Of mm-hmm. course, the FBI has known about it for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of studies on that. And Trump is really bringing all of that out. And I mean, I think that, yep. you know, it's probably galvanized by a Blue Lives Matter kind of ideology, you know, now. And uh, it's all kind of melding into one sort of thing. And so I guess, I guess that leads me to a question. I mean, do you see a real differentiation in any of these things, or are they kind of all beginning to come together between the racial politics, the the cop worship, and all of these other things seem to, in my view at least, kind of come together into what we really should call a fascist movement?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, there is no doubt in my mind that that is where we're headed. I mean, we see, you know, people like Trump and Pence and, and Mike DeWine, who I just actually tried to disrupt his press conference this morning, you see them all talking about how, you know, great the police are and they're stopping this and they're stopping that, you know, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, stop the people at the border. And then we're not calling white supremacy, white supremacy, when it comes to things like mass shootings and even people who have manifestos talking about, you know, the invasion from the South and all of these things are in interconnected, and you know, here in Columbus, I don't know if you're aware, but our um, murder rate of black men by Columbus Police is the highest per capita in, in the entire country. So people like to talk about you know Chicago or all these other places. No, Columbus, Ohio has the highest rate of police officers killing black men per capita in the entire country by far. Um, so we see this constantly here. This is something that we are always fighting. Um, when we were at the rally last week, one of the officers actually looked at the person next to him and said, I'm turning off my body cam. And he purposely turned off his body cam, got up behind my friend and said, hey, fat ass, go eat another cheeseburger and calm down. Trying to just get him to go off and be violent. I mean, it is, it is all... It is it is absolutely all interconnected and really just trying to to get control over everything. And, and I do believe that if this is not stopped, if we don't bring enough um, you know, attention to this and we don't wake people up enough that we will end up in a full uh, militarized society, uh, police state.
0: So you're in Ohio. Ohio's obviously yes. one of the central uh, battleground states um, in every election, really, but obviously yep. in particular in the Trump era. So I'd like to, and I mean, I'm not asking for a political scientist's kind of answer here, but just as your general uh, read, um, how, how are people feeling about Trump these days? I mean, 2016, Trump was an unknown quantity, but tr- tr- 2019, he's not such an unknown quantity. And we're talking here about an event where you have The sort of true believers, you know, the hardcore base Uh for him, but he can't win with a hardcore base. He has to have a lot of other people. So what's it like in Ohio among the lukewarm Trumpies?
1: Well, so let's just go with my particular city that I live in. I live in this this, um, nice little suburb of Columbus and we have a very diverse population. Um, And I am sad to say that In neighborhoods where your neighbor is a um, Somali refugee, right next door, there are Trump 2020 signs in the yard. Um, We are so polarized, but I am very sad to say that I do feel that Trump is in favor, at least in central Ohio, Um, other places I've gone, I see the same thing and it, it really, it truly scares me and it hurts me in a way that I don't think I can even explain. Um, so I teach elementary art and I have 500 students and I have students that actually say to the other children in the class, my dad says that Trump's going to make your family leave. And these are little kids. Um, and if we are that hateful in this society that we are teaching our little kids to go to the little boy whose family is here from Mexico and tell them that they're going to have to leave in an elementary school, then I don't know what we've become. And this is what I see everywhere. You know, I mean, I saw I saw little kids at the rallies, you know, being high fived and chanting, build that wall, build that wall. And and people all excited about it. And when I drive around, I see more, you know, thin blue line stickers and Punisher stickers and three percenters and, you know, bikers for Trump and and all of these things than I thought I would ever see. I mean, you can't. You have to believe that obviously I'm a person who puts my political, you know, ideals out there for everybody to see. And of course, I think I'm right, just like everybody else does. But the amount of visibly displayed hate is unbelievable to me. So um, from my point of view, we are definitely a state that has tipped even further to Trump than, than we were in the first place.
0: That's uh, pretty chilling, but uh, certainly something to consider. I want to ask you, uh, in the time we have remaining, about this Mm -hmm. trip that you're organizing to Mexico in a couple of days here. We're Mm -hmm. um, speaking on August 6th. Uh, You're heading down to Mexico, uh, I I guess through the Brownsville crossing, and um, Mm -hmm. I want you to tell me what exactly you're doing down there, who you're going with, and what it is you hope to achieve.
1: Okay, so um, my friend and I created an organization um, called Love Without Lines, and we have gotten in contact with a group that is from um, Texas. They're called the Angry and Abuelas of the Rio Grande Valley, and um, they cross over um, into Mexico a couple times a day. Um, and sometimes they just meet people that are being released from detention, going to stay with their sponsors. They meet them at, um, bus stops and they provide aid for, uh, migrants. So what we are planning on doing is, um, going down, um, to the Brownsville port. We have collected a ton of items from here in, uh, all of Columbus and central Ohio. Um, we are bringing people um, uh, clothing, we're bringing new shoes, socks, um, we're going to be buying food while we're there, uh, supplying people with meals. We are going to take people who need it to the doctor and the dentist uh, we, because we know that if these people ever make it over stateside they are probably not ever going to be able to afford any kind of medical care um, for a very long while. So we're making sure that that's taken care of. We have a bunch of hygiene products. We're going to help set up tents um, and just kind of really try to get people as comfortable as possible. Uh, Because what's going on right now is Border Patrol, for anybody who doesn't know, when you go to apply for asylum, they say this is your number. Um, Come back when your number is called. Well, nobody has any idea of how to know when their number is called. Um, From other activists that work on the border, what I have heard is border Patrol will go out and they will announce a number. They'll be like, you know, this family of five and say their last name. And if you don't show up there right away, then you lose your spot and you go back to the end. Well, they like to go out from what I hear at like two, three, four in the morning when everybody's sleeping. So you have these families that have waited for months and months and months in this heat and not knowing, you know, when they're going to be called or when they're going to even be able to apply. And, and they're starving and they are in such bad shape because nobody is there to help them. So um, we can't necessarily set up a system to help them figure out when their number's called. And be able to be there for it, but we can try our best to make them as comfortable as we can while they are waiting. And that is what our goal is. Um, After this first trip, we are actually just going to start collecting and everything for our next trip. Um, And we're just going to keep doing it as, as many times as it's needed.
0: And um, what would be your message or recommendation to people who might be listening, who might also want to do some, maybe something similar or at least get Mm -hmm. involved? How would you, how would you encourage them to do that?
1: So, I mean, I'm pretty lucky that I have a huge network of activists that I've met throughout the years um my my activism started with animal rights way back in the day and has moved all the way through to where it is now so i kind of always have somebody to contact but if it's somebody who's never done this before what i would definitely do is i would look up um i would just look up any kind of you know um like activist group working with migrants. And you will find a ton of, of groups. And contact the people who are doing it already. Contact the people in Texas. Contact races. Contact the angry and abuelas. Contact these places and say, what can I do? Because they might say, hey, you can come down here and work with us. Or they might say, these are the kinds of things we need. Um, but if you also don't have the ability to do that, Look for activist groups in your community and see if they know anybody. Say, do you have any connections to anybody that's working with the migrants on the border, that's working, you know, to try to help set up systems or, um, you know, just kind of keep people healthy. And, and I can guarantee you that no matter how small of a city you're in, somebody is going to know somebody that you can contact. It's really just making those connections. And I wish it was easier Than to say, just, you know, look around. But really, um, I think that's, that's really the only way to do it. You just have to find a way to get yourself involved and, and just interject yourself into some kind of active activist group, get those connections, and then you can, you can start your own thing.
0: Absolutely, and uh, for listeners, uh, two episodes ago when we had Arun Gupta on, we were talking about the No More Concentration Camps movement. NoMoreCamps.org, org. The website has a bunch of mm-hmm. resources, a bunch of organizations with their contact information, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So, uh, if you're looking for something like a one stop shop, NoMoreCamps.org org is another good place to go. Um, so, Kelly, I, I want to just thank you for the activism that you did, that you that you're engaging in uh, the. Mm-hmm. What you've done in infiltrating these Trump rallies, I think, is very important because it's almost a sort of sociological study that you're bringing to us, because what Mm -hmm. goes on in those rallies is something that is somewhat, I guess you could say it's somewhat suppressed in acceptable mainstream Mm -hmm. society. But once they get together in those rallies, it turns into something else. And I think it's very important that we keep in mind just how real that shit is getting.
1: It is. It is. It is completely unlike anything you've ever seen because they just feed off each other and feed off each other. And the hate is, is absolutely unbelievable inside there and something that you will never understand unless you are truly in there.
0: Thank you so much for your great work and and the work you're continuing to do. Again, uh, check out Anti-Racist Action, the uh, organization that Kelly is involved with in Columbus and and elsewhere, and uh, Love Without Lines, lovewithoutlines.org. Kelly Weber, thanks so much for coming on the show and for all your great work.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Listeners, thank you as always. We'll chat again next week.